We are continuing our series called Pleasing to God. So we've talked uh, a few times about this so far. Uh, I had a chance to be up here to talk with you guys about this. Uh, Zach was here last week. He did a great job uh, teaching for us. He will be up here a few more times uh, throughout this book. But as we kind of jump in, I hope for those of you that have been here that this has been fruitful, that it's been helpful. Um, I hope that the time in the Word has been good for you guys. And I'm excited to keep digging into this. So if you weren't with us, 1 Thessalonians is kind of a unique book. Um, when Paul was writing this letter, this was for a church that was actually doing what it was supposed to be doing. So most of the time when Paul wrote letters, the church messed up, it did something wrong, like there was something or some way that they were at fault. But this one's a little bit unique because this church, this Thessalonian church, is actually doing what they're supposed to do. They're living a life that is pleasing to God. And so as we dig in, as we look at this, we're going to see kind of what it looks like to live a life that is pleasing to God, to actually do what you're supposed to be doing and to keep doing it. Before we do that, uh, who in here, just by show of hands, is an introvert, meaning like you like to recharge by yourself? Who's in here? Okay, cool. I'm not alone. And then there's some of you guys that are so introverted, you wouldn't even put your hands up, So, uh, which I understand. So... Uh, I, I, some people are like, why would you ever want to be an introvert? Classic extrovert, am I right? Um, but I, introversion is like one of those things where you do need that recharge. You need to like come back. You need to spend that time like getting yourself ready. So like after a long day or after like a long week, taking a day off or taking a day by yourself is glorious. I love it. I'm an introvert. I have Fridays off, so a lot of times, like, that's my day to kind of recharge. And, like, Sid knows if it's been, like, a long week, if there's been, like, events or if it's been tough, whatever it is, like, that Friday is super important to kind of get me ready for going. And uh, most of you extroverts in here are sitting, like, and saying, I have no idea what you're talking about. Because I'm going to tell you right now, for as an extrovert in this room, you're probably going to find this talk, the application, very easy. But uh, as an introvert, there's many times where, like, a week's won't be as hard as they, they might seem, you know. Some of you guys probably understand this, where there will be times where you'll come to the, that day where you want to just take that day by yourself. You're like, oh, I need that. I really need that. I, I can't go to next today. I can't go to church. I, I can't go to community group. I just got to take this time to recharge. When in reality, that week, like, you know, maybe you had an extra day off. You had a long weekend. You really only worked like three days. And most of the time, you were kind of just like sitting at your desk, like getting stuff done. But you still tell yourself that, oh, I need that extra day. I need that extra day to recharge. I am very guilty of that. I have done that many a time. And what I wanted to ask and what I need to ask myself is, is it really worth it all the time to say, I need that day? I need that day to not go to community group. I need that, I, may, I can't, uh, is it really worth it to say, I don't need to go to next for the next uh, hour or two? I don't need to go to church on Sunday morning, I need time to rest. How often is it so easy to start to make excuses to say, I don't need to go somewhere, I don't need to do something, because, you know, maybe it makes you uncomfortable, maybe it's just hard, maybe it's hard for you to do that. 
And what Paul is pointing to here is he is going to show us and display for us what it looks like to value spending time with other people, but also how to be excited about doing that, how to be eager to spend time with other people. So we're going to look at the end of chapter 2, beginning of chapter 3, and we're going to kind of see a little bit of what it looks like to actually find joy in looking forward to the body, the church. So we're going to pick up kind of where Zach left off. We're going to be looking at the end of 2, and uh, Zach brought us into this a little bit, but we're going to kind of pick this up from where he was last week. So it says, but since we were torn away from you brothers for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again. But Satan hindered us for what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Paul here is addressing the fact that he and his crew, for some reason or the other, had to leave Thessalonica. They had to go. And there's ways, there's other things that people think are, uh, that point to this, and the book of Acts talks a little bit about it, but I'm not going to spend a ton of time there, because the point of him saying this is that he is heartbroken that he has to leave. He doesn't want to go. He doesn't want to leave these people. He doesn't want to leave this church that he helped to start. He desires to be there with them. He says that his heart is there for them. His joy is in being with them. He wants to be there around them. And he doesn't want to miss out with the people of Thessalonica. He doesn't want to miss out on being with them. But there's something big And in verse 20, it says, For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Paul here is celebrating this church. He's celebrating this church that he helped plant, this church that he helped to be a part of, this church that he helped kind of see through what they were going to do. He is a part of this church. He was a part of this church that was able to actually fulfill their calling. He's proud of them. He's excited. He's celebrating the win of the fact that they are faithful. And he's saying, my joy is in you. My joy is because of the success that you guys have. The crown that I have when I get to see Jesus, I get to put before him and show that I was a part of a church that actually faithfully followed you. And I'm excited about that. Paul is eager to see these people because they are his crown. The thing that is success for him is being able to see a church that is faithfully worshiping God and doing what they are supposed to be doing. Now, I want to talk about this just for a second because our context right now is a little bit different. So we live in a world that, is, uh, that largely talks about things in a negative perspective, Right? And uh, we talk about things like the internet definitely does not help that. Uh, social media, we might, uh, we might convince ourselves that social media is really good for us when in reality it probably makes us more anxious above anything else, right? And even when we think about the social media, if we think about the news and what's put on the internet, 
more often than not, the things that we're reading, the things that we're seeing are negative things, are bad things. A couple years ago, the most listened to Christian podcast, or I think, the, I think when I looked it up, the website, Evangelical, it's called, it said, uh, podcast was The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. And what that podcast is mainly about is this, this church out in Seattle that really did great. It was doing awesome things. It kept going up and up, and then it fell very fast. Namely, why it's called Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, you know. And uh, largely, it's because of poor leadership and somebody that was, that was just not leading well. But the question that it comes down to is why was that the one that was the most listened to? Why was that the one that was the most listened to? And one reason, there's one reason, I think is because we need to be aware of where people fail. If we are not aware of where church leadership fails, of where uh, people who claim to be Christians are misrepresenting Christ, we need to be aware of that. We need to be aware of when somebody slips up because if we are not aware, we'll never know what we need to fix, right? Most of Paul's letters to these churches are letters about how they are messing up and how they need to clean things up or else they are gonna stain the name of Jesus, that's, that's really what Paul is trying to push and show them, is that you guys need to be careful. But the other reason that I think that we want to listen to these things is because that is so much ingrained into how we read social media, into how we see the world is from this negative viewpoint, this negative lens, this lens of these people are always messing up. More often than not, when I'm on social media, when I'm on Twitter or Instagram, the posts I see are how this church slipped up, how this church messed up, what this church is doing wrong, rather than celebrating the wins. And so, when we think about these things, and when we look at what the church is doing today, we have to be aware of how people are messing up. We have to be aware of what we need to fix. But... Paul is taking a very brief moment here because leadership looks like finding joy in the fruit of the body. That Paul is seeing the Thessalonian church and he's saying, you guys are doing a good, good things. Keep it up. Like, this is awesome. This is encouraging. You guys are my joy. You're my crown. And so to continue to do this, to continue to go after this. Oh, Tommy. Uh, that's interesting. You guys will get to see Tommy's face later. Uh, I'll tell a story about him. So, uh, so where was I at? Tommy, you distracted me. Uh, to think about these churches, to think about the wins that they are having, the good things that are happening, that is good leadership. To find fruit in the body is good leadership. We want to learn from our mistakes, yes. But we also want to make sure that we are striving to point out the good things that the body is doing. And because of that, Paul doesn't stop there. He keeps going, and we're going to look at the beginning of chapter 3 here. Hopefully Tommy's face doesn't pop up again. We'll see. Whew, that's good. Uh, all right, so if you follow along, starting in verse 1. Uh, 
It says, therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind in Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter has tempted you and our labor would be in vain. So Paul has talking now about he wants to go see them. He wants to go see this church and he can't. He's stuck in Athens, which is hundreds of miles away at this point. And so he sends Timothy. Timothy is uh, his disciple, the person he's training up to lead the church. And he's going to send him. And it's not perfect because Paul wants to be there with him, but he just wants to see and hear what their faith is like. To see and hear from them. To go, to love them, to encourage them, to push them in the right direction. He wants to do anything that he can. And he just wants to say, I'm a part of the body just as much as you guys are. I might be hundreds of miles away, but I want to be a part of the body just as you guys are. And so he sends Timothy to go out there and to show them that his rest is in the fact that he gets to see them, at least through Timothy, in some way or some form. He gets to hear from them. So I want... I got to experience this a little bit, and this is where Tommy comes in. So we have a couple uh, missionaries over in Portugal. Uh, we have the Beggs, and um, they, they're with the Zieglers. So Mitchell and Nicole uh, Begg are with Tommy and Courtney Ziegler. So I wanted to bring up that picture. Yeah, there's Tommy's face. He's beautiful, isn't he? Wow. I didn't. I, I made sure. I asked him last night. I was like, hey, uh, can I, what picture can I use? And I think he fell asleep because we're in different time zones. So I took the liberty of choosing the best picture that I could. Uh, but this is, the, this is probably a better picture, more appropriate picture. So this is Tommy, Courtney, and this is their kids. Um, we have not gotten to meet their kids because their kids were born in Portugal. Um, and they're doing missions over there. I, don't, I can't remember how many years it's been, but it's been a while. Has it been two, three? Yeah. Uh, it's been a while that they've been there. And so Tommy, he came back just briefly. He was in a wedding. And so he came back and he came to a Sunday service one day. This was a few months ago. And I got a chance to catch him because he was going back to Portugal later that day. And so I got to talk to him for a little bit. It was great. I got to hear a little bit about the ministry that he's doing. Uh, and then at the end of our conversations, we were kind of wrapping up because he had to leave. I told him, I was like, hey, uh, Sydney and I, we've been praying for you guys like... We just love what you're doing, and we love the fact that uh, we get to see that and be a part of it. And immediately, like, tears were running down Tommy's face. And he gave me this big hug, and he said, man, that's exactly what I need to hear right now. And that's, like, he needs that. He wanted that. And uh, I miss Tommy a lot. And if you guys know, like, Tommy's a hugger. Tommy is, yes, he's very much so a hugger. That was a big hug. Like, this was different. He needed that, and he loved the fact that his church back home was praying for him and caring about him. And I just said that just as like a little bit of encouragement, not realizing how much he needed that, how much it meant to him. Tommy, I was, as, when I was talking to him yesterday, he was saying that he just loves the fact that he gets to be unified by the same faith that is hundreds and hundreds of miles away that we get to be together, we know that we have the same faith 
regardless of where our location is. He, and he says that's something that he needs. He says uh, both the Zieglers and the Beggs need prayer, and they love when their church is praying for him. It's a huge encouragement for them. And, and so as we think about this, being a Christian looks like finding joy in the body, like looking around at the people around you, looking at, at, across the sea to be able to see somebody that is really far away. It looks like finding joy in the fact that you get to be a part of a collective community. And that's huge. And so as I wrap up here, I think that there are really four big qualities that Paul is reflecting. Like I said, we're, we've been looking and we're going to be looking at how the Thessalonian church is really living a life that's pleasing to God. But today, similar to what Zach talked about last week, I want to see how Paul is reflecting this life. And so I think there are four different ways that I see this. And the first way is with sadness, which is a weird way to start. But, verses 19 and 20, for what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus that is coming? Is it not you, for you are our glory and joy. Paul experiences this sadness because he can't be with the people that he wants to be with. He can't be with these people that he desires to be in community with. That's what I'm saying is when we think about community, it should make us sad if we have to miss next. If we, ha- if we can't go to community group, if we have to miss a few Sundays here and there, it should make us sad. Sometimes it's by choice that like maybe we do need that rest day, we need to recharge. Maybe there's vacation or whatever it is or, or work. But it should still regardless make us sad when we can't be with one another. The second thing that I see with Paul here is eagerness. Paul is eager to be with the body. He's eager to be with the church. Verse 17 But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. Paul is showing that he really wants to get back to them. He really desires to be back with this church. And I think as I kind of go back and think about myself, there are days when I need to like just sit on the couch and you know I had to, I want to have that recharge, right? I want to just sit on the couch, watch movies all day and just kind of get ready for kind of what is coming. But sometimes when it's the third day in a row of doing that and you keep making the same mistake over and over again, is that really the right call? Is it really always the right call to say, "Ah, oh, no, I I don't need to go to church today. I'll watch it online, you know?" I'll make sure, or a community group, I can miss this one. Next, I can miss this week. Like, my, my small group won't miss me. In reality, what Paul is showing us is that an eagerness, a drive to go see the body, is what is reflective of a desire to see God's kingdom grow, to be a part of something greater, to be a part of a bigger picture. And so an eagerness to go after the church and to go after the body is reflective of what it looks like to desire to be a part of God's kingdom. And the third way is encouragement. Part of Paul's goal is finding a way to encourage the church and encourage his people. Uh, verse 2, we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's coworker in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort you in your faith. The word there that's uh, for exhort is interchangeable many a time with uh, encouragement. And when Paul sends Timothy to go out, he wants, that, he wants him to go out there as an encouragement. As to say, look, we care about you. 
You guys are doing great things. You are doing awesome stuff for the sake of Christ. And so do that for the people that sit around you, the people that are in, at your tables, the people that are in your small groups. Don't just like, oh, like, oh, cool. So you, you read your Bible every day this week. All right. That's, that's a big deal. Encourage them, push them. You shared the gospel with the person that is working at Starbucks. That's a big, that's big. You get a chance to like say, no, I actually showed the love of Jesus to my coworker when nobody else would show her that. That's huge. Take advantage to encourage the people around you and to show them that same love, that same eagerness to be a part of a greater picture, a greater narrative with the body. And the last thing that I see here is Paul is maintaining this church. He wants to maintain this church. Verses three through five, that no one be moved by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. And so Paul isn't ignorant, right? He knows that this, this time of prosper, this time of doing things really well, it may not last for a long time. I mean, Satan is very real. The world is very real. You guys are going to get a chance in small groups to talk a little bit about what does it look like to be pulled away from the body? Why might I be pulled away from the body? And I think it's oftentimes easy to say things like, oh, like, uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, this, there's this hard thing in my life and uh, I wasn't able to do it and it was, it, that was probably Satan trying to like pull me away. More often than not though, how, how much do we say, uh, today was just really hard. I don't need to be with the body. I don't think that would be good for me. I don't, the body is supposed to be encouraging. It's supposed to be loving. We're supposed to seek to maintain alongside one another. I find myself even making excuses of saying, do, is the body, do I really need to go to the community group? Is it really going to help me that much? Usually it does. I think a lot of times these little things that can pull us away are, can be detrimental to where our hearts are at. And so as we think about these, these four different things, sorry about that, Scott. As we think about these four different things, these four different qualities of a, of a believer, these four different qualities of desiring to be a part of the body, reflect on these for yourself. Think about these for yourself. Where are you at in each of these categories? Do you see yourself having an eagerness to get to be a part of the church, an eagerness to go and have dinner with people, an eagerness to go and come to church on Sunday morning. Do you see these things? How often are you encouraging the people that are sitting around you? Take time to really think about this and to really dig in. As I think about Tommy and as I was talking to him last night, he was really saying that it is always a joy when he sees a message from somebody from Redemption Chapel just pop up and say, hey man, I'm praying for you, I love you, um, how can I be praying for you, what, is the, what do you actually need? And so if we can look and say that just to the people that are even sitting next to us, we can reflect even more so what Paul is calling the church to be. And that's to be unified, to be together, and to be pointing back towards Christ. 
I'm going to pray for us, and then you guys will go to small groups, all right? Uh, if you bow your heads with me. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for the people in this room. Thank you for the opportunity that we get to dig into your word, to read from uh, this letter that you had Paul write. Lord, ultimately help us to be better followers of you. Help us to be better followers of your son. Help us to reflect these qualities that Paul has. And ultimately, Lord, as we seek your kingdom, as we seek your body, help us to be people that want to strive after you, that want to go after your kingdom. And ultimately, it's because of your son and his work on the cross. You may pray. Amen.